Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we are recording and you are listening today. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome back to another episode of You Have My Interest. I'm Evelyn and together with my colleague Maddie, we're mortgage brokers here to help you make smart moves with your money by giving you tips, tricks and tools to help navigate your wealth journey. Good morning, Mads. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's been a busy morning so far, but I'm really looking forward to getting into a Q&A on pre-approvals. We did a deep dive on the episode last week on the pod, and now we have a few questions that have come through from some listeners. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts and being Mm. able to answer all the questions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into it. All right, let's get right into it. So a question in regards to pre-approval, how important is it when it goes to buying it, when you go to buy a house? Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. There's two ways to answer (laughs) this question. No, no, that's good. That's good. Look, I think it's important if if you haven't applied for pre-approval in the past, you have no idea what your borrowing capacity is and you're a potentially higher risk customer in terms of you've got a higher Mm -hmm. LVR, you've got variable income, you've got, if you're self-employed, 100%, um, or if you're going to auction, that's probably the other one. Whereas if you're someone that's just got a fairly simple, I guess, um, income in terms of how it's calculated from the bank, it's not open for interpretation, Uh, you're borrowing at a low loan-to-value ratio, you've got a really strong deposit, Um, you've got time up your sleeve if something does fall over and you know where your credit report and credit scoring sort of sits, then, oh, and of course you've had good account conduct on your um, everyday accounts, then I'd say not Mm. as important. Um, But otherwise, I would would highly recommend it. Um, Yeah. For sure. I think so too. And we've already answered this question technically, but how long is pre-approval valid for? Yeah, so it's valid for 90 days from the date of approval. And then you can roll it over for a further 90 days by providing updated confirmation of your financial position to the bank and confirming that nothing's changed. Are there any lenders that are slightly different off that 90 days? Probably the only one would be Macquarie, which is they're valid for 90 days from the date of submission, not from approval. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And for some reason, whenever I get ANZ's pre-approval letters... The, the dates Isn't it 110 days? Yeah, it's a bit weird. It's a bit longer. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's 110 days, which is interesting. Yeah, which is weird because the actual regulation is 90 days. So I don't know why it's 110, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. If you need to extend your pre-approval, will your borrowing power drop? So at the three to six month mark, so from three months to six months, will your yep. borrowing power drop with the rate rises? We had another rate rise this month of 0.25%. Yep. If you haven't so been assessed, yeah, if you haven't been assessed at that new rate rise, then your borrowing power may drop. Depends how much buffer you've had in your pre-approval. If you've gone For up sure. to your maximum borrowing capacity, then, um, and then you've had three rate rises, then yes, it is highly likely to drop. That's assuming that nothing's changed, like you haven't had a pay rise or anything in that period of time either. Um, But if all things remain the same and the rates go up and you've gone to your maximum borrowing capacity, it would come down at three months. I have a question off the back of that. What Mm. happens if you buy a property two months after you've been pre-approved at your maximum borrowing capacity? So say you were pre-approved for $500,000 purchase price, you bought for $500,000, but the interest rates have gone up between when you were approved and then when you purchase. 
what is going to happen when it comes to servicing if you are just scraping through then are they going to assess you off the rates from two months ago or from when you buy yeah that's a really good question mads it completely depends on the bank's policy so where a bank has a policy where they hold their assessment rate that effectively means as long as you were fully pre-approved on the front end they will hold that assessment rate um, for the 90-day period. So if you buy at the 80-day mm. mark, then you're still being assessed on the previous rates. But if something changes in your position, they need to really fully reassess you regardless. So that's where if you'd had a job change or you'd taken out new debts or something along those lines, they're going to fully reassess you anyway. So for the most part, I think that's where it's important to make sure that if you're at the risk of that occurring, that you are getting an assessment for a pre-approval that is fully assessed and where that bank will hold the assessment. For sure. What are some banks that are fully assessing pre-approvals compared to some banks that are not? Um, most of the majors do. So CBA and NAB and ANZ do. Um, Westpac doesn't, but they do by exception. In terms yep. of the second tier lenders, Macquarie and ING are probably the big two that don't fully assess um, and also Bankwest in some cases as well. Um, and then you've got most of the smaller banks, to be honest, do actually fully assess those pre-approvals. Yeah. And on the topic of that, should you then, if in terms of all these rate rises, should you only be getting pre-approval when you're ready to buy? Because after three months, it's going to change anyway. Yeah. And it, we know we can extend it by another three months. But is it just is it important that you should do it when you're actively looking to purchase or should you do it when you're about to dip your toes in the water but you're not sure yet and you just want to see what you're approved for? I think regardless of what's happening in the interest rate market, you should never dictate your pre-approval based on what's happening in the interest rate market. You, you sure. do your pre-approval when you're ready to buy. That's my personal yeah. opinion. And you do it probably a good month before you're ready to buy because you don't know how long it's going to take for that to be assessed. And mm -hmm. if there is something that potentially causes that assessment to take a little bit longer, then you want to make sure that you've got that fully signed off pre-approval by the time you're actually out looking and hunting and going to auctions and that sort of thing. Um, I wouldn't recommend getting a pre-approval done, let's say we're in January and you're like, oh, I want to buy maybe in November or December. Don't get your pre-approval done. Just go and get a borrowing yeah, no capacity point. assessment from a bank or don't actually sign any forms and get that submitted, if you know what I mean. But um, that's exactly. where you probably want to be looking at couple of months out start to really think about it seriously and definitely you'd want to be applying one month before you go and buy and off the topic of that I didn't have the question how long is it taking to get a pre-approval at the moment oh yeah good one uh so depends on the bank <laughs> that's my favorite answer these days always <laughs> um so the the quickest pre-approvals you're going to get and we're talking let's just go straight to fully assess pre-approvals because we did cover off last yeah. week on the difference between like a um system approved versus fully assessed pre-approval so ignoring yeah. ignoring system uh, assessed for a fully assessed pre-approval the fastest turnaround times would probably be within 24 hours you're unlikely yeah. to get it back the same day probably overnight the yeah. most banks I tend to see hover somewhere around the three-day mark, I reckon, is a good average. Yeah, I think three days um, is currently. Yeah, but then you've also got banks that as their service timeframes start to push out, you're tending to look probably between one and two weeks. And then you've got banks that are taking three, four, five weeks, uh, which tend to be outliers. That doesn't happen very often, but it often happens when they have a really large incentive around maybe refinances or something else that's going on uh, in terms of their their overall flows of workload that can cause sure. pre-approvals to also be pushed out 
Yeah, and that also is a good point because they will prioritize refinances and purchases because they're yes. going to convert to actual loans yeah, and debts compared to pre-approvals that are just a potential. So they always yeah. prioritize those, which means pre-approvals can take a little bit longer. Yeah. And another question that we had was, does your credit score affect pre-approval and then is it affected by your yeah. pre-approvals as well? Yes, to both actually. So when whenever you lodge an application with a bank, they will run a credit report or a credit check on you and your overall credit score as well as the other credit components that they consider outside of just the score mm. are always like, are you paying things on time? Do you have overdrawn limits? Are you having direct debits bouncing? All of that sort of thing. They're the things that tend to not show up on the actual credit report, but they do affect your credit scoring as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. There are other aspects that will affect a bank's internal credit score, which is a completely different thing to the actual credit report that you get from a bank. So yes, it will come up as an inquiry. It, whenever you lodge an application, it's going to show up as a new inquiry. Something like a home loan application is credit scored better than something like a credit card application or a personal loan or, you know, like a short-term debt type scenario. So if you have multiple home loan applications that you've applied for over a period of time, your credit score might not be as bad as if you had applied for 20 credit cards in the last year. That's strongly right. going to impact your credit score, right? So yes, yeah. they both of them will impact each other as in when you apply, it shows up, um, but also your credit score itself is checked by the bank when you apply. On the topic of that, which I feel like I'm saying a lot of the time at the moment, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but in relation to that with, with home loans on your credit score, does this impact it? So if you're somebody that will refinance every six to 12 months because you want to get all the refinance rebates and cashbacks, yeah. is that negatively viewed by a bank? Not necessarily, but I certainly wouldn't want to have multiple other inquiries on my credit report if that was yeah, the case. Yeah, you have constant every yeah. six month inquiries. Exactly. So if you had already a an average credit score or a slightly poor credit score and you'd applied for previously, because remember the last seven years worth of data will show up. Um, mm -hmm. It's usually the last 12 months to three years that probably impacts the actual score uh, the most in terms of what a bank is really honing in on. Often if you've got like, you know, if you've got multiple um, inquiries before that, a bank can kind of look at, okay, well, that's, that's okay. We can see that in the past they were this kind of customer, but now we can mm. see they've really cleaned it up. So that's a good sign. Yeah. But if you already had a relatively poor credit score, I wouldn't want to be applying for home loans every six months because it's not necessarily going to, it may not hurt it too much, but it, every inquiry is still going to add to that overall number. And you've got to make sure that things like, for example, even if you've got a credit card that you've taken out, if you're consistently drawing up to the limit of that credit card, that's also negatively impacting your credit score. So yeah. it's, it's more, it's a bigger picture than just how many times you're applying for a home loan. If it was just one home loan that you were refinancing, probably not going to be too big of a deal. But if you've got five properties that you refinance every six months, probably going to hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And with credit cards and if they are, if there are a lot of inquiries of credit cards and say if they're all closed, is a bank going to look at that negatively if they've seen a lot of inquiries? But then if you look further down, you can see that they're all closed anyway, or maybe just one is open. It's gonna. There's gonna be a bit of a delay from the credit scoring perspective in terms of just yeah. when you when you close a credit card, it's not automatically gonna lift your credit score like a hundred hundred percent or whatever. Um, so there will be a bit of delay in terms of what the number actually shows up as, but it's a really good sign to a bank that if you've 
made those inquiries, you've then closed them. Yeah, that's good. There is just a question here of how long before I apply for pre-approval should I not have credit cards? And that was just an interesting question I thought could lead into this, if it's even relevant. I'm going to make an assumption that this is a first-home buyer, (laughs) uh, which could be a very big assumption. But if you only have ever had the one credit card and maybe like a phone plan and that sort of thing, maybe a utility bill here or there, um, closing the credit card's not going to impact the credit score that much at all. Like you could close it the day, yeah, close it the day you apply, close it whenever. But it it, it, a couple of months before is not going to make a difference. If anything, it's just going to increase your borrowing capacity. Correct. Yeah. I was going to say, if you need it for servicing, I'd recommend closing it before you apply so that you can get that closure letter sent to the bank at the actual application stage. But in terms of impacting credit score, no real difference. I've got another question here. It is how much do you have to have in the bank when it comes to a pre-approval? Which oh, okay. is an interesting one. Yeah, it is. Different, it it's like how long is a piece of string, right? <laughs> exactly. So how much you have to have in a bank, it probably comes down to a couple of questions. Most of the time, if you're at a high loan-to-value ratio, you're going to need yeah. to demonstrate to the bank that you have a 5%, 5% of the purchase price genuinely saved. So if that's a $600,000 yeah. purchase price, that's $30,000 in your bank account, in your name, that you've saved over the last three months. So that means three months ago, they want to see that you'd started at thirty grand. So not today. Yeah. It's not cumulative. It's three months ago. I had 5% and I've genuinely saved it from there. Um, yeah. So, and the reason why that's important is it may not necessarily matter how much you'd, you have in the bank account if you don't have genuine savings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If, you've, yeah. if you're borrowing 95% of the purchase price, but 5% of that was a gift, well, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be approved with most lenders. There will be lenders that take that, but with most, they're not going to like that. So um, yeah, it'll come down to loan to value ratio, purchase price, and then personally, I think you need to have a buffer of five to 10,000 outside of what you expect to spend on the purchase regardless. Yeah, exactly. I mean, banks need to know that you're going to be repaying your loan. And if it's only your deposit is fully made by a gift, then that's that's not going to assure them that you're going to be able to meet your repayments. And that's where guarantors can come in. They can be that deposit section, but then also there's that it takes the risk away from the bank that if you do default and you won't pay, then your guarantors will pay. So that's... It, that's where that comes in. So it definitely comes down to loan-to-value ratio I've seen. Uh, some mm. banks, if it's under 80%, they don't even need to see any statements at all. No, they don't. They genuine just, savings. Yeah, they don't. But You're it, less risk. Correct. So they, they're pretty confident that you've got funds to complete, as as they call yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. If What about if you go through a scheme, like a first home guarantee scheme or the family yeah. home guarantee? Definitely need 5% genuine savings. And they will ask for not only the bank statements that that account is held in, but they'll ask for the connecting bank statements that you've transferred it from to make sure, particularly for large deposits, to make sure that that's actually come from your salary and then transferred as savings as opposed to a gift that you've then whacked into a a savings account. Exactly. Yeah. They need to make sure exactly where it's coming from, which is really interesting. Mm. I have another question here in regards to Hex. So someone said that she has a really big one of about $100,000. Is that going to be impacted 
uh, does that impact her pre-approval in comparison to somebody that has, you know, a five or $10,000 hex? I love this question so much. I don't know why, <laughs> because it actually makes no difference. So you it could just, have a hundred thousand dollars hex, <laughs> you could have $10,000 hex. Your repayments are calculated off your wage. So it's a percentage of your gross income that is paid towards hex. So it doesn't matter how much you've got owing on it because you're always going to be repaying the same from a bank's perspective. Same amount. Where it, where it does make a difference though, if the person that had a $5,000 hex was just a little bit short on borrowing capacity, they could probably pay that out of cash and not really impact their deposit and therefore increase their borrowing capacity tenfold. Whereas the $100,000 hex person, you're not going to take a hundred grand out of your, um, out of your savings to try and get like a higher, uh, higher purchase price because you'll probably find that yeah, the net difference sure. is a lot worse off for you. So yeah, from a from an actual, like, if you didn't pay them out, no difference, but it's nicer to have less hex owing, I guess, because then you've got that option to pay it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's all the questions that we have for today. I think they were really interesting. What about you? Mm. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Maddie. They were good questions. And thanks to the listeners awesome. for putting them through. No, thank you all. I'm looking forward to hearing what we have in store for next week. Yes, absolutely. We'll see you all then. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of You Have My Interest. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. To find out more about how Evelyn can help educate and empower you to achieve your goals with finance and property, just visit evelyn.com.au forward slash podcasts and book in a free discovery call.